Hello, and thanks for being here for the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm Rachel, program director at Strong Towns. I have been eyeing electric bikes for some time now, and while I haven't yet made the leap to purchase one myself, I'm loving seeing the growth of this industry and the possibilities that it opens up for people to have better, cheaper transportation options beyond cars. Stephanie and Sean Tuff also started seeing that possibility a few years ago, and they turned that into a new electric bike business. A few years back, Steph and Sean and their three young children were spending more time outside and looking for ways to get around town that weren't as expensive or polluting as a car. They found that biking provided that for them and so much more, the chance to really see the city around them instead of just letting it blur past through a windshield, the chance to enjoy fresh air and exercise, and frankly, as they'll talk about, to just have more fun getting around than the typical car commute. But with young kids in tow and a difference in their abilities to bike quickly and at the same speed, especially in hilly areas, um, they live in Calgary, Alberta, they ended up turning to electric bikes to help make their travels even better and easier than on a regular bike. Eventually, they partnered with friends to start a new e-bike company, Tough Hill E-Bikes, Opening their business during the pandemic led them to choose a hybrid model where they don't have a formal storefront, but they give people the chance to meet up and test drive a bike, excess maintenance, and more. For Steph and Sean, this isn't just about sales, although they have been quite successful in their enterprise. We don't just see it as selling bikes, says Sean. We see it as connecting people to a bigger community. In this conversation, you'll hear the Tufts talk about how biking around their city has helped them understand Strongtown's concepts in a real and up-close way, and how they hope that getting more people on e-bikes will allow them to share in the Strongtown's approach and mission, too. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Stephanie and Sean Tuff, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is great to talk with you today. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're really glad to be here. This will be fun. So can you each tell us a little bit about yourselves and what led you to be involved in in some of the work that you're doing to make your community more bike friendly and people friendly, make your town stronger, all that good stuff. Stephanie, let's start with you. Sure. Yeah, so uh, we have three children, ages five, three, and one. Uh, we will be celebrating our sixth wedding anniversary uh, this summer, which is pretty fun. And um, since we got married, well, I think one of the reasons why we were attracted to each other is being part of creating vibrant communities has always been something that's important to us. But I think that in the beginning of our marriage, we saw that happen inside of our home a lot more than outside of it. And... Uh, one of the ways was we lived, well, at the time, Sean worked with um, student athletes at our university campus, the University of Calgary, and we lived basically across the street. And so at least once a week, we kind of had a standing yeah, weekly dinner where we would have, you know, up to 20 students in our house and we would just cook like a family dinner for students who lived or who were from outside of town and who came here to study. And so we just saw like really cool community begin to form off the campus and in our home. But then when COVID hit, that obviously we couldn't do that anymore. And so we just started to look for ways to connect outside of the house. And that just really started with our family going for walks and bike rides with the kids. And we just really started to see our community 
differently outside of our home. Yeah. And then as we spent time walking through our neighborhood, one of the things that would bother us is when we'd see gigantic parking lots and think, what a waste of space. <laughs> and, uh, or, or even we'd, we'd want to walk somewhere, but it was made, the walk was made so inconveniently far by all these things that we went, why are these near or around a neighborhood? And we started to experience life just like slowing down because of the pandemic. We slowed down a lot and got to actually look at our surroundings rather than just move through them. So we got to see how much we admired the treed streets and then we would also find out how much we disliked big, fast roads. And then that coincided with us also starting to bike a lot more. And, and I got involved with a community bike shop at the university. And that really opened our eyes to biking as a mode of transportation, not just a thing you do for recreation. Because I was meeting all these international students or students who didn't have the money to afford a car and to drive through the city. And I remember meeting a, a young man who told me that he was going to live in Calgary without a car. And I just thought that was impossible and stupid. And, uh, but little did I realize it's, it's so much better financially, environmentally, but yeah. And then I, we got connected to not just bikes, the YouTube channel, the main video, the first one we watched is why I won't let my kids grow up in suburbia. And there were so many things in that that it just felt like it shattered our perspective of, of what we saw as normal. And then he's got, I mean, so many great videos like the, the growth Ponzi, ex, uh, explaining the growth Ponzi scheme, explaining uh, the strode, explaining all these things that are normal about our cities that we don't see as weird, but they're actually quite weird. And so we discovered that which coincided with our local election. And so for the first time, we had this, this, this aha moment of, okay, we need to elect people that are going to make our city better. Like this matters. But it was, it was like up until that point, I didn't have a measuring stick of how to know whose platforms were legitimate and whose weren't. I mean, I knew the ridiculous statement of, people saying they're going to lower taxes and heighten services. It's like, yeah, okay. As if no one has ever thought of that before. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, it was really hard to have a perspective of who was trying to create a financially stable city that our kids will eventually inherit. Or even we have so many friends that graduate university and they just want to move out of Calgary because there's so many better places, uh, vibrant places that they want to live as opposed to uh, a very spread out and sprawled one. And I'm guessing somewhere in encountering not just bikes, you also found strong towns in there, which is a story we hear from a lot of folks. Yes, yeah, exactly. Totally. And and he, the way he was able to visualize and represent the communication of so many of the things Strong Towns talks about was very accessible and easy, easily digestible. And then we we found the website and we found the books and. I mean, we read a lot of the material and we'd just get mad because we didn't know what else to feel about the, the injustice or even just the, the pure inefficiency of the way we've built our, our communities. Yeah. So you've started to talk a little bit about like what Calgary is, um, but for people who are listening that aren't familiar, you know, what are some of Calgary's best assets and what are some of the biggest challenges 
that you guys have observed in your in your walking around and living in Calgary. Stephanie, maybe we could start with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I love this city. I've lived here since I was three. So every time I've considered moving somewhere else, I just come back here because it's just, it really is a beautiful city. We're right next to uh, the Rocky Mountains. And so, you know, within an hour, I mean, you can see them from places in the city, but within an hour, you're just surrounded by just these like incredible snow covered mountains and beautiful nature. And, but our city itself is about 1.4 million people. Uh, We're the third largest city in Canada. A cool fun fact about Calgary is that we have about a thousand kilometers of uh, regional urban pathways. So there's definitely been an effort to um, to kind of build and maintain a biking infrastructure here, uh, which is pretty unique to other cities in Canada. We have other things like you know a, a pretty great transit system for the most part. There's like always you know ways to improve it, but we have uh, we're kind of known for the C train, and we've got a beautiful river valley that kind of goes all through the city um and we've also spent there's like very intentional about maintaining large natural park areas so one example is like in the middle of um, the city or in the, the northwest part of the city there's this beautiful hill called nose hill park and you can basically within a few minutes like you're your perspective of the city is just so different. You climb up, you can hardly hear like all the loud cars and um, you're just kind of taken away uh, out, out of the city, it feels like. But you have this beautiful view of, of the whole city and the mountains. And, you know, there's people running, biking, walking their dogs off leash. We just have, we have quite a few spots like that around the city where you can kind of escape from the noise of the city without having to go too far. So those sorts of things are really special. So lots of natural beauty and paths. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, maybe Sean, do you want to tell us about what are some of the challenges um, that you see in Calgary? Yeah, so we've been the leader of the energy sector in Calgary for years, or sorry, in Canada for years. And so there's been great wealth come through the city uh, that there's been good things done with and not so good things done with. There has been thought about biking infrastructure or, or different modes of infrastructure, but we definitely suffer from trying to do everything all the time. And, and that doesn't always serve each unique thing. So we have great recreational pathways, but they often suffer from disconnection. Yeah. And so when you're trying to commute, they can be great, but most of people aren't commuting all the time. It's parents and, and moms trying to take their kids to school or buying groceries or you just want to go see a show. And so the pathway system can get you very far. But once you are trying to get into the actual things that you do, that's where it becomes a bit disjointed and, and confused or or difficult. And then even just like having safe places to lock your bike up without it going missing is a bit hard. The other thing is we have like the city because of its wealth, uh, the model is very much built like this big downtown with lots of industry. And then people would commute out to the suburbs uh, for their rest of their life, which created a very unsustainable financial, just like model but now everybody has a big house and a big yard. So that's what lots of people think is standard and normal. And that's what everybody 
kind of want. So we, lots of people don't know anything else. Like I didn't know anything else. I've never experienced necessarily walkable neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. especially for kids and, uh, and like elderly people being able to age in place is tough because they kind of, if you don't have a car in Calgary, it can be really difficult to participate in a lot of things. And then with the, the re- downturn in say like 2013, 2012, we've seen a lot of companies leaving the city center. And for a long time, our downtown, we made tons of money from taxing all the businesses that were downtown. And that led to a lot of the communities being sprawled and on the outer edges, being able to be paid for by the taxes of these big companies. But uh, since yeah, 2013 and then obviously the pandemic and stuff happening before then, uh, we've had a lot of companies leaving. And so that's created a lot more vacancy rates. rates. Uh, the, there's a lot less tax revenue being collected by the city from businesses. And so people are now having to have higher property taxes and it's not something that they particularly enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got, I think the biggest, one of the bigger things is uh, people want to have vibrant communities, but I think they are running into the difficulty of just not knowing how. Mm. Makes sense. I think you're highlighting a lot of challenges that many other communities would relate to as well. So you guys started to get into biking during the last few years. And then now tell us how you ended up starting this company, Tough Hill E-Bikes, and why did you choose e-bikes? The biggest thing we found when we rode bikes together is the connection that we would experience together. We have three small kids that are definitely highly demanding. (laughs) And so we don't get the time that we used to, uh, to connect and to talk and and one of our favorite things about the pandemic was was getting a chance to go for walks and talk about the things we were learning and seeing and experiencing and our hopes and our dreams and to be able to create space for that because we'd put the kids in the chair in the stroller and we'd go for a walk and, and we had that space. But in with a lot of life going on regularly, it's hard to find those moments or the, the longer extended periods and moments. So when we found biking, especially, or we would put the kids in the trailer and we'd get to go for rides and we could have those conversations. What we found, though, was difficult was I am a very fast peddler. I'm about 6'5 and was a university athlete at the, or playing volleyball. And uh, my wife is, you know, pretty short at 5'8". <laughs> <laughs> I never uh, felt short until I married him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I would just be wanting to ride faster than she could keep up with. And... And so one of the beautiful things about the e-bikes is we could ride at the same pace. Mm-hmm. And uh, we Calgary also has some pretty monstrous hills. Uh, and so I would often be riding up the hills and my kids would be yelling at me to go faster. And being a bit of a math nerd, I would be doing the calculations in my head of the, the bike ride in general of calculating how much of the bike ride was I enjoying, how much of the bike ride was I hating, And I just wanted that ratio of fun bike ride to hating the bike ride to be better. (laughs) And so when we found an e-bike or when we discovered e-bikes, it just, it changed so much of that experience. And then that connection between ourselves and our kids was great. But then we also just, the way we saw our city, the way we experienced our city, the community in our city, like something so small, like riding through our city and smiling at people and Mm -hmm. them smiling back. Uh, There was such a, 
it felt like such a grounding moment to move through our city and interact with the people rather than in a car you just you feel separated or i felt separated yeah totally yeah yeah. Well, I, I have not heard that argument for e-bikes that it can like help equalize speed between two people, but that is very appealing to me because I also, I'm like actually short. I'm like 5'1". Um, and my husband is quite a bit taller. So yeah, that we have that same issue when we bike together. Stephanie, can you tell us about how you then decided to turn that interest in e-bikes into opening this store? Yeah, Totally. Sean had been working um, at the at a local community bike shop um, for a while and uh, was just learning a lot about bikes. And when we got our bike, our e-bikes, we just started to notice basically like things that we loved about e-biking in general, but things about the bike and biking in Calgary specifically that we would want to change. Um, and so, yeah, kind of the the design and engineer and math brain that Sean is started just researching basically like what is the best e-bike for our city. Um, and yeah. And so we, and we just wanted to share like our love for this reconnection that we saw like to our, like ourselves, but also to other people. We wanted to share that with other people because really riding a bike through city is a great way to open people's eyes to another perspective. Um, it's really you can talk about it all you want, but then as soon as you get on an e-bike, it's like people get it, they connect, they see things that you just can't convince people of until they are able to see it themselves, you know? Um, and that's just one way that, like a fun way that we saw, I guess, like exposing people to some of the things that we were seeing because really e-bikes make it easier and more fun and more accessible for everyone to explore their city. And if you can change the way that people move through the city, then we can change the way that people interact with their community. And so, um, yeah. yeah. We, we found that trying to talk to people, even about stuff we were learning in, say, strong towns or not just bikes, but people just didn't get it. Yeah. And it was like we were speaking a whole different language or seeing something they couldn't see, like Neo in the Matrix. And then, sure. and then but as soon as we put them on a bike and we go for a, an hour ride, all of a sudden they'd be open to so many things and perspectives that they were never open to before because they were experiencing the difference. They were experiencing the things we were talking about. And and here it's, it's so normal and auto-centric, like mm -hmm. just all designed around cars. It is like, and even myself, like three years ago, I would have never been able to understand what so many people were talking about. Uh, but because of, of the concrete experience of, getting on an e-bike, riding through it and seeing the city, it just helps um, make concepts real to you. Yeah, that's powerful. Even, I mean, one of the funny things is a good friend of mine, uh, he's just like, why are you starting an electric bike company? I don't get it. And I, and it's like, have you ever ridden one? No. So finally at our launch party, he came and he came to the party and he rode the bike and he has this massive smile on his face <laughs> when he's riding it and he comes back and he gives me a hug and he goes, okay, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. So when we first started the business, you know, we thought um, we were, you know, selling e-bikes and we we're so excited about this design and, and everything. And, um, but as we started doing test rides and getting people to come ride it and um, the more that we've been doing it, we've realized 
really the thing that we enjoy the most is seeing people's smiles and reactions. It's like they just instantly become these little kids again where they're just tapping into like a part of their their childhood where of like freedom and fun and um yeah they're just like their perspective is just it's like so much more open I think um but it's really the joy that we love to see on people's faces getting to experience the feeling and the thrill of flying really mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah I've heard multiple people say that that it makes you feel like a kid again and it's so true it's it's so beautiful have you ever ridden any bike I have to admit, I have not. Um, I ride my normal bike all over the place, but I haven't yet tried an e-bike. Our local um, bike share just got a bunch of them in their fleet. So I think that would be a good way for me to actually test one out. And I should really do that. Totally. Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. So were you guys able to like, did you go all in on this business? Is this your your full-time focus or is this more like a side project for you right now? We started with the mentality that it would be like a full in thing for us. I think we, so Sean, basically COVID just kind of changed the nature of his work. And so he was able to kind of slowly transition and that afford us the time to really question like, what is it that we want? What is it that we would, you know, that we would love to do next? Something I think that's unique about us as a couple is that from the very beginning, we've just dreamed of a life that we can tag team together. And so um, Sean is like always had, work that he can, um, that can be quite flexible so we can tag team the kids together and we can, we, neither of us have had like a nine to five that we have to be out of the house for the whole day. We've kind of, yeah, always taken that approach. So that's been really fun. And so I think once we just knew that things were going to kind of start to shift and change, we thought, yeah, why not? Like, why not go all in on this? And, uh, it just so happened that the same, around the same time that we bought e-bikes, some of our really good friends, um, uh, Brian and Alex, they're our business partners now, and Brian bought an e-bike. And so him and Sean would kind of geek out on all the technical details together. And um, eventually Brian came to us with this uh, amazing PowerPoint presentation and said, what if we did this, guys? And he's he's kind of a social entrepreneur, has helped many people um, start businesses, but had never done one himself. And so we the, the dynamic between the four of us was just... Um, kind of like a dream to be honest. And so, and so we've gone full time. It started out as, you know, that thing we were doing in all of our extra time. So I was staying up till three or four in the morning, uh, researching, talking to suppliers, all that kind of stuff. And now, uh, but now that I've moved on from my other job, now we can focus on it full time because we do want it to make it happen. Yeah. Very cool. So I was interested to to notice, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like you don't have like a storefront, but you offer all these ways for people to like test drive, get their bike fixed, feel confident in their purchase, kind of all the things that you would get um, from go like walking into a store and actually trying something out. So how did you come up with this hybrid approach and um, what's that been like versus like trying to, you know, do a more traditional like storefront and rent a space and all that? Yeah, I mean, part of it was necessity because COVID, with the rules being all over the place, it, it was just if we opened a store, we didn't know what we would and wouldn't be able to do, so it, it didn't make sense to take that risk at first. And then the, I mean, there's lots of reasons like we we really like letting people ride the bike in a real life setting. So instead of them having to just test ride, say around a parking lot, we could meet them in their real life situation and go for a ride through the city and, 
And while we were going for a ride, we could talk to them about the things they're seeing and experiencing. We could educate them about the bike. We could talk about the benefits of riding and, and, and the health benefits as well as the financial benefits and, and really create the personal connection and, and relationship that we're, we love being a part of. Because uh, we don't just see it as, you know, selling bikes. We see it as helping connect people to a bigger community. Mm-hmm. And so that lends itself really well to creating appointments and meeting with people. Uh, what we have found is that a lot of the older demographic, the online store or the online model is a bit uh, strange still. And so we we know we've always wanted to have a community store because we want to be like have a gathering place for people. Uh, and so, but the biggest thing is we wanted to be able to offer our bikes, uh, at a high quality and a lower price. So having lower overhead really helped by not having a store, but we did just, uh, get connected to somebody through a mutual connection in the, in the bike world who connected us to somebody who is going to let us use their, their store for the summer. And then we'll see where it goes regular storefront from there. But yeah, the biggest things was, was trying to get people on a real world bike, uh, create that relationship and better prices. But if people don't come and connect with us in the first place, then uh, it's not as successful anyway. So uh, we're going to still try and have a bit of a hybrid approach there where we have a trustworthy home base, but we'd still like to be able to get out into the real, real world with people. Yeah, that makes sense. What has it been like to run an e-bike business right now? It seems like from my vantage point, there's a lot of increased conversation and interest in um, electric bikes. Are you noticing that too? Is it is it a good time to be starting this sort of business? Yeah. I mean, the best time would have been, you know, earlier, but I feel like you could say that about anything. About anything right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really great time because the demand is going crazy uh it's a also we've hit this like beautiful synergy of where the technology has hit a really sweet spot like you're getting good value for your money there it is a bit of a challenging one because there are so many other companies all trying to start and jump in and it's an industry that's got tons of new technology and so lots of people don't really understand the technology they don't understand the language they don't understand what separates each different bike and the price points. Cause I mean, you can go buy an e-bike at Walmart, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it uh, for most people's use, use cases, but for some people they will be okay. And so that part's been interesting is the emergence of the technology and people's understanding. But I mean, just this last year, we've had lots of people come to us because they're just tired of gas prices and they see that, the the connection to gas prices is something they're always dependent on and they want to get free of that and mm-hmm. so they happily trade their bike in or sorry their truck in so that or like their second vehicle in for e-bikes because yeah. they can replace so much of their riding and they enjoy it a lot more yeah what else is there about an e-bike that makes it like this particularly unique special form of transportation like for you guys what's the what's the pitch you've talked about it allows you to move a little faster and, you know, maybe stay with uh, somebody else who's a faster rider. And maybe you're, you also have a, like a cargo e-bike. So being able to bring your kids along, uh, that's, that's awesome. Maybe even trading in your car. What, uh, what are the other benefits for you guys? 
Yeah. So I think like compared to driving a car is honestly just a more fun way to get around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Like it's a way to build an exercise into your everyday life because um, I mean, obviously we're speaking from the perspective of a parent, but um, it's just, I find it really difficult to kind of sustain that level of exercise pre-kids. Um, yeah. and being able so you to- still get decent exercise on an e-bike compared to like a regular yeah, bike, absolutely. right? Because you get to choose how much um, assist you want to use. And so we'll often like ride to some friends' houses, maybe it's an hour ride. And so instead of, you know, having to schedule in time to go to the gym or even work out at home with, with kids, um, we just like ride our bikes to our friends' houses. And then on the way we can kind of feel like more of a workout and then on the way home, like whatever you, we can just choose how much assist we want to use. So I love that because I feel like I, I get exercise basically every day and also just getting outside in the fresh air, seeing the city, like we kind of had talked about before, like seeing things that you would miss um, because bike paths, the funny thing about bike paths is that there's not really a direct way to where you're going. So you're often like, you know, going in, in, like we had mentioned, disconnected paths, but you are seeing parts of the city that you just normally wouldn't in a car. And the nice thing on a bike is if you find something interesting, you can just stop and look. Yeah. Or meet people. We meet people all the time when we're riding. It's like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you forever. And we actually like get to have interaction with people that's positive. Yeah. Um, places. It's awesome. We we don't have to find the parking space with the car. We don't have to slow down. Like I remember whenever we're driving on the I never want to stop because we're going so fast and I don't want to accelerate again. Right. Yeah. And there's obviously like the financial um, benefits. We did this calculation of the cost that it takes to like um, ride our bike based on our battery um, compared to filling up our car. And it was, it cost 10 cents per hundred kilometers to ride our e-bike compared to $17 in our vehicle and per hundred kilometers and so and that's not including insurance and maintenance and all that that's kind of just stuff gas either. that's just yeah. gas yeah there's just like so so many so you, many benefits and even for us like we're trying to be conscious like one day i have to look uh my kids in the eye and when they ask me the question so what did you guys do to make the world better what, mm. what did you do to try and stop uh climate change and financial crisis and all that and and a bike is a very sustainable way of moving uh you're Main carbon footprint is your breathing, which is a, a hilarious fact. <laughs> and then the nice thing is like we have our pretty good transit stations here, but you still don't get the same independence you have on the bike. Like if you want to go somewhere, you get on the bike and you go. You don't have to wait 15 or 20 minutes for a bus or for the train. And I know there's been a lot of complaints about or especially from women uh, riding transit here is they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And so Steph, especially to just get on the bike and go, she never has to worry about that part. There's the the other nice benefits compared to say a regular bike, where you don't have to worry about the hills, you don't have to get sweaty, and uh, you the distances just end up being less daunting. Yeah, I think that's another thing is since we started riding e bikes, that are like the city has opened up to us. I would say like we don't have to go to the same two parks that are near our house with our kids. We can literally go to like any park <laughs> or. You know, um, Sean rigged together a, a bike, an electric bike for our, our four-year-old at the time. And she's five now, but you know, she could ride 20 kilometers to, with us downtown and we could go on like, um, you know, special dates downtown and that kind of stuff. And she would have no problem keeping up to us. And so it just really does open up, um, our world. Yeah. What, uh, results are you guys most proud of so far in, in your progress wanting this store? 
a bunch of the sales, every sale that we make is a story that's been unique and fun to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, one woman, she has traded in her truck, like an, a Ford F-150 for the e-bike, and she rides it every day to work. And she says she rides it with a gigantic smile. Uh, and then it's also saving them money for uh, the future like that they're trying to build for her kids, uh, her future kids. And then I talked to a, an older man. He was He's 76. And he averages 20 kilometers a day on his e-bike. And he even has like uh, a slight disability kind of thing. And so, and he, he just, with such joy, he says that he loves moving around on a bike because he knows he's doing something better by substituting his, his drive in a car. And so it's, it's helpful to see the value we're creating. And I mean, the smile we saw on our daughter's face when she rode up her first big hill with an electric bike, that alone actually was enough for me to go, okay, this is, there's some value here for people. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think we, we're just getting started, but we are, we're really proud of the people that we've met that have even made this possible for us in Calgary because there's so many amazing people that have done great things here and for us to get to meet them and just build off of what they're doing to try and make our city better and, and the community aspect better. Uh, we've really enjoyed. Yeah. And maybe even if I could even like add a question, I don't know if this is something I'm necessarily proud of, but something I'm really grateful for since starting this is getting to see um, the other work that is being done in Calgary, because I think I just didn't know about all of the other amazing organizations and people and efforts and that's going on. And so if in a way we've, been able to join this community and um, just add to the momentum of what's going on. And so that's something I'm really grateful for because, um, you know, it's easy to just feel really overwhelmed when you start listening to, or like watching, not just bikes or reading the strong towns articles and, um, or even, you know, Chris and Melissa Bruntlett, we've read both their books and it can feel so overwhelming of like, Oh my gosh, I have to move to the Netherlands to experience any of this change. And I think that's just not true. Like once you, begin to um, see the people around you and get connected, it, it can just be exactly what you need to keep going. And so, um, yeah, super grateful for that. Yeah, that's a good segue into the next question I want to ask, which is, um, you know, you guys are obviously very busy running this store and with a young family, but have you had a chance to be involved in any um, other advocacy in the city, like efforts to make the um, make Calgary more bike friendly or, you know, walkable or any of those sorts of things? Yeah, we, I mean, the big thing is we're trying to support the people who are already doing it. Uh, yeah. We have, it's riding even through, like riding bikes has helped us slow down our lifestyle and, and observe the, the world around us. Mm -hmm. And that observation has helped us understand that, okay, there's people doing things, how can we help them? And so... Uh, bike YYC, they're like the bicycle advocacy group. We've been trying, we've been um, supporting them. And then Youth on Route, it's a really cool organization in the city that's trying to help make every school in the in the city bikeable, so that any kid can ride their bike to school. Uh, because we can replace tons of trips, but also just for in terms of independence for kids and what helps them learn and grow and develop the the ride to school can be huge and so they're a group we're really excited about and and then we're doing little things like uh trying to support our city councillors that are trying to do the right thing and in, in terms of making our city more financially viable there's this really cool organization called sustainable calgary 
they're doing amazing things. And so we're trying to figure out how to best and help support them. And then uh, like personally, we've been reaching out to different businesses to try and get secure bike parking because we know a lot of people, they want to ride all over the city, but they're really worried about leaving their, you know, four or $5,000 e-bike just locked up on a decent bike rack. But if you can get secure bike rack, like I was at Walmart the other day and here in Canada, because of the winters, they often bring the carts inside. And so there's these massive spaces for all these shopping shopping carts carts inside. (laughs) And I went, why can't this be bike parking? Because I I think probably the biggest, I mean, the two biggest reasons obviously are infrastructure, like safe, protected infrastructure. If a kid doesn't feel safe riding on it, then lots of people won't. But then obviously is safe bike lockups because if your bike becomes your mode of transportation, you can't afford to lose it. Uh, I often think of is if people had to drive their car and then leave their keys in the car when they went into the store, would they ever drive anywhere? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this is a good point. Uh, Unfortunately, I've experienced uh, bike theft for sure. Not out of an e-bike, but a nice normal bike. I think, yeah, I think that's a lot of people's experience. And like, it doesn't matter how expensive it is. It's your bike becomes like a friend. And if that gets stolen, it's so sad. Yeah, not to mention like your way of getting to work or the grocery store, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. totally. So to close us out here, I want to ask, what advice would you give for somebody listening that's enthusiastic about, you know, trying to make their town more bikeable or maybe trying to get into the e-bike scene? Um, Steph, maybe we could start with you. I think it's really easy to feel overwhelmed. Um, And honestly, the way I started was I just started biking. (laughs) Every time I feel overwhelmed, I just go for a bike ride. And that just seems to like, I just immediately feel connected. Um, And so, I mean, if, yeah, I I would say find something that you enjoy that connects you to um, your, your people, it connects you to people around you. Um, And I think the other thing would be to just start with where you are. So like a huge thing we've seen is like, we actually just moved. And so to, um, for us, we just said, okay, we're going to start by getting to know our neighbors and, um, doing something that is enjoyable for us to get to know our neighbors before we start trying to calm the streets in front of our house and, and all of that stuff, like for us just to take a relational approach and, and partner with people who are already doing things. Um, cause then it's just, I think it's really important to know you're not alone in it. Sean, what advice would you give for somebody that's interested in helping make their community more bikeable or starting on the e-bike journey? Yeah, I would say get voted in on city council and yeah. start voting for <laughs> uh, budget, yeah. budget to be positioned. I think there's lots of different ways, but definitely meet other people who are biking. Mm-hmm. I Without meeting other people in the city, I would have felt very lonely. Who knows? We may have even given up in the past. Mm -hmm. But there's been so many incredible people who have been working hard for long amounts of time. And finding those people so that you don't have to do extra work on top of it, you can, your work can work together. That's been just so time saving and such a breath of fresh air. Uh, but yeah, send letters to your counselors. See if your counselors will go for a bike ride with you. 
that, that that's a big one because even like they they don't necessarily know like they've been presented with a perspective that we all have and so if there's nothing that interrupts that perspective of course they're not going to care about bikers well said well thank you so much steph and sean tough for coming on the show and sharing your perspective about e-bikes and congrats on like opening your store it's really exciting um thank you. and just really appreciate the chance to talk with you both Oh, of course. Yeah, thanks for reaching out. What a great conversation with Steph and Sean. Um, I will share links to the resources that they mentioned and their website, as well as this comprehensive article that I did about e-bikes a little while back, exploring some key questions about their feasibility on a broad scale with our Strongtown's board member, Andrew Burleson, who is something of an amateur e-bike expert. Thank you to our Strongtown's members for supporting this show and all the work of this movement. On that note, I want to extend a warm welcome to my newest colleague, Norm Van Eden Petersman, who is our new Strong Towns member advocate. If you're already a member, you've, you've maybe heard from him at this point. He joined us a few weeks back. We just got to meet him at a recent staff retreat in Minneapolis. Um, and if you're not a member yet, I hope that you'll have a chance to interact with him. He is a wonderful warm, friendly person who is going to be helping advocate for our members, helping people learn more about membership and just really bring home this movement for, uh, for strong towns members across the country and across the continent. Um, cause in line with our guests from today, Norm is another wonderful Canadian. Um, we always love to have more Canadians as part of this movement. There's a ton of members and readers, listeners who are um, from our friends to the north. So we're glad to have one officially on our staff too. So if you encounter Norm, uh, say hello to him for sure. And if you're not a member yet, visit strongtowns.org membership to learn more and consider making a donation to support this movement. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, thanks for your patience with the little break in content. Um, that was, again, as I mentioned, we had a staff retreat last week, so we were all pretty busy nonstop doing meetings and uh, workshops and conversations together, but we should have a good run of content for you for the next couple of months. And we'll talk more about this later, but I, I have a baby on the way. So eventually we'll take a, take a little pause in content somewhere around end of October probably rerun some favorite old episodes, uh, maybe get some uh, colleagues to sub in and do a few episodes for you. That should be a motivation. If you have any guest suggestions for me, um, please send them soon. Cause I'd love to um, fill up the calendar until I go on leave and then, you know, have a good slate of guests ready to go when I get back to. So you can email me at rachel at strongtowns.org. All right. Thanks everyone. We will be back here next week with your next episode. Take care.